Oh, no. It's the American Soccer Show. I am your host, Emmett McConnell. It's time for some headlines. The Colorado Rapids' first game under Robin Fraser beats New York Red Bulls at Red Bull Arena 2-0. Two goals from Jonathan Lewis, who's proving himself a worthy U.S. men's national team candidate. He definitely got that call up earlier. Uh, Not sure how deserving it was at the time, being a backup at New York City FC. And he proves his previous team, you know, that he can still do it against a rival with the two goals against uh, the fellow New York side, D.C. United. They go on the road to Montreal and win 3-0. Not sure things are completely turned around there, but who needs Wayne Rooney? Ola Kamara, who came in mid-season uh, with a brace, and Paul Ariola, who steps up with no Lucho Acosta in the starting lineup. Uh, and they'll need players like that to step up if Wayne Rooney and Lucho Acosta won't be mainstays in this roster for much longer. Battle of the Midwest, Columbus draws Chicago 1-1. Yawn. But seriously, two teams, not too much going on for them. Pedro Santos continues to lead this team kicking and screaming away from the wooden spoon with his 10th goal of the year. Just one behind Giassi Zardes for team lead. And then Shemislav Frankowski stole a late draw with a goal in the 94th minute. Philadelphia Union, other side of the table, regained first place with a big 3-1 win over Atlanta United. Joseph Martinez scores just before halftime. Then Brendan Aronson, with his second goal in as many games, ties it up in Atlanta, against Atlanta. And Kasper Shabilko with his 13th goal of the season and the winner in the 86th minute. Sergio Santos would go on to score one more. New England won, Toronto FC won. Nicholas Benazé scores his first and what should have been the winner, the winger on loan from Guingamp. Uh, and then Gustavo Bo ends up tying it with his sixth goal in eight games, though he'll have to thank a howler from Quinton Westberg for them to pull a point out of that one. FC Dallas 3-1 over FC Cincinnati. Not too impressive. Ryan Hollingshead opens the scoring. Michael Berrios gets the second. And then Zidanek Undrasek, the Cobra, puts the game out of reach. Cincinnati does pull one back through Emmanuel Ledesma, and then Kakuta Mane goes ahead and gets himself a red card for a bad challenge in the 75th minute. Uh, and they're basically out of that one. Cincinnati also out of the playoff race. Sporting Kansas City 1, Houston 0. Not sure who's more woeful this year. Oh, wait, yeah, no, it's Houston. Definitely, definitely more woeful. They've tanked since a good start, haven't won an 8. They are 2 2 and 12 since the end of May, conceding 36 in that time. To give you a little uh, perspective, they were 7-2-2 two two before that. So they were like in second place behind LAFC, doing real well, and then, yeah, things tanked. Things did not go well. Wimmer Cabrera sacked recently. They had 17 goals conceded in that first period, 36 in the second. That's 1.54 goals per game versus 2.25, a significant difference. The winner was Johnny Russell in the 12th minute, and let's be honest, Sporting Kansas City aren't much better after the CONCACAF Champions League decimated the roster. Vancouver won up in Canada, New York City 3. New York City have won four straight after losing to Atlanta, and Vancouver are also out of the playoffs. Fear my predictions, for at the beginning. I went out and said Vancouver would be somewhere near Colorado at the bottom. Turns out that was correct. Uh, I, I am interested in the Vancouver project. I want to see what Mark Dos Santos can do, but a lot of people overhyped them before coming in, and it's certainly a wake a weak team right now so we'll have to see what they do in the offseason now that this season is essentially over San Jose 3 Orlando 0 no Almeida no problem uh, to Orlando it's getting to crunch time and they need results to stay in this playoff race San Jose 
after a period of absolute dominance, looking fantastic. They kind of went slow, kind of fell off, and this is a game to kind of prove they're back as one of the best teams in the West. Portland 1, RSL 0. An early Valeri goal pushes Portland ahead, uh, and with only almost only home games in this late stretch, somehow the Timbers still haven't figured it out. Uh, I really thought they would by now. Meanwhile, RSL under Freddy Juarez seems more stable than under Petke. But until we see some of that mad scientist magic, I'm not so sure that RSL can pull some of the, well, upsets like they did against LAFC last year in the opening round. Seattle 4 on to Sunday. LA Galaxy 3. What a game. Seattle, 2-0 lead, blows the lead. Comes back, blows it again. Comebacks again. Profit? Not so sure, but Seattle, LA Galaxy. We'll get back to that one later. Uh, and this one as well, LAFC 0, Minnesota 2. Novela, yes, problem. How weak are LAFC without their talisman? We'll all get all into that later. Uh, we'll look at three games now. First, Philly Atlanta. Uh, Joseph Martinez scores just before halftime uh, to, to give Atlanta the lead. Aronson in the 60th, Casper in the 86th, and then Santos in the 88th to seal the game off. Uh, I found in this game that I've noticed Atlanta really struggle to track runners, and they just get hit behind too easily when they're playing in their middle block and kind of half-pressing. And I think we're going to see more teams having the ability to exploit that. We know the New York Red Bulls have some sort of mojo against Atlanta. We know that they can pull out a real good game when they're otherwise playing real bad, like they are now. Uh, so they'll be worried about playing them in the playoffs. I think they'll face... They'll be thinking the same thing about Philadelphia. They have a system very similar to the Red Bulls. High octane, energy drink soccer. Forward, forward, forward. Go, go, go. And, yeah, I just, I think New York City, best team in the East right now as well. Atlanta, as well as they are, you know, potentially a first place team. No, they're down to third at this point. I worry that the MLS Cup champions have at least three Three bogey teams. Not bogey teams because they're all solid teams in the East. And they're going to have to really hope that those guys knock each other out. They're going to have to hope that they don't have to play Philly or the Red Bulls. I think they might be able to deal with New York City. Not as you know, not as quick on the break. But there's a blueprint now. And you have to think even a team like Toronto. Even a team, if they make it. Even a team like New England should be able to figure out how to get these guys on the break and get behind. And I know we keep hearing... That about Philadelphia, you know, they're up in first. And I think this game is more of an indictment on Atlanta's weaknesses being exposed than Philadelphia necessarily proving themselves as an elite team. That's not really fair when you think about it. And I know we keep hearing that about Philadelphia. Nobody's, people still really don't want to give them a chance. But until, I f firmly believe that until there is a consistent product against top teams, and especially ones without the little crummy asterisk that we're going to get next to this game. People saying things like, oh, they didn't have Barco. Oh, they had to play a B team. Oh, they didn't have this guy. Gressel had to come out. Oh, they played seven games in 29 days, which is one every four days or so. And yes, there's truth to all that. And Philadelphia will have to deal with that. They'll have to deal with that asterisk. And in recent memory, in recent MLS history, this is the real reason why they don't have... They don't have anything behind them. They don't have people really believing them in them yet, other than maybe some of their fans. Is that when a team makes a massive jump up the table like this, think back to Chicago in 2017 when they just got Nikolic, Golden Boot, Vancouver in that year as well, or Colorado 
more specifically in 2016, a team that's usually a basement dweller and then went up all the way up into second place. Uh, those teams rarely show up in the playoffs. They might get past the first round, but they never get past the second round. And unless Philadelphia can prove the same thing, unless they can go out and say, we can do it in the playoffs, they don't deserve any credit. And You know, if they came out Supporters Shield, they get something at least out of it. But LAFC is going to win that. There's no argument in that in that category. They can be a nice second place in that race. Okay. But no one will remember it. They get a bye in the first round. Okay, so at least they get by the first round. But then they're going to have to play the winner of the fourth place versus third place game, which right now would be Atlanta, probably. They probably have to go up against Atlanta. And yes, at home, they just proved it, right? They just came with a 3-1 victory. But now you're going to have to deal with a full-strength Atlanta. Now you're going to have to deal with an Atlanta who wants revenge. They want to come out, and they want to prove themselves. Um, Sorry, it would be the fourth place and fifth place team, hearing from my producer. That would be D.C. United or the New York Red Bulls. Uh, I think against D.C. they could do it. I think the Red Bulls are a team that always gives Philadelphia problems. They had to have Elsino bail them out last time. But either way, when you look at most—Philadelphia's in first right now because they've done it against the lower teams mostly. They've gotten things done. They haven't done well against New York City FC. They got the one win against the Red Bulls. They did well against D.C. United, two wins. Atlanta win in a draw. Though that first draw, you know, early under Frank DeBoer, they weren't getting anything. They still need to prove it against top teams. They have games coming up against LAFC next, and then San Jose. So we need to see it. But maybe I'm not giving them credit, because you look at their the top teams in the league right now. Seattle Sounders, they played them at home to a nil-nil draw, should have won that game. In the West, Minnesota went to Minnesota and won. Haven't played LAFC or San Jose yet. Still to do that. Big loss to Real Salt Lake, 3-0. FC Dallas, they beat 2-1 comeback. Big victory. Galaxy in seventh in the West. They lost on the road. That's a generally pretty good record against road teams. Beat Dallas. Beat Minnesota. Drew Seattle Sounders. Lost to Salt Lake, lost to Galaxy. That's 500 against the top teams. If you then beat the bottom teams, it's a good record. They didn't beat Colorado. They didn't beat Vancouver. They didn't beat Sporting Kansas City. And they did beat Houston. So maybe they are better against the top teams. They lost to Chicago last time out. They did beat Cincinnati and Columbus. So who knows? Maybe they are ready. But I'm not sold until it's done in the playoffs. I've been burned too many times by an underdog having an outlier season and then not figuring it out. Moving on. Seattle 4, LA Galaxy 3. Told you we get back to this one. Raul Ruiz Diaz opened the scoring just before first half ended in stoppage time. one nothing. Seattle going into the half. They're going to get a second goal through Christian Roldan in the 55th minute. Only to blow that as the Galaxy equalize 2-2 in the 75th minute through Uriel Antuna. Ten minutes later, Zlatan scores after Roldan takes it 2-0. Ten minutes later, it's Antuna. Jordan Morris gets the lead again, only to lose that with ten minutes to play to Jorgen Skjelvik. And then Roldan gets the winner in the 89th minute in the thriller. I want to talk about Seattle a little bit because they're in second right now, technically. But they're doing everything they can to have me not take them seriously. Yes, they're in second. 
in the West. They're sitting on 46 points. That's generally enough for a playoff spot. This year, we're not so sure. They're six points above Portland in eighth. I think they'll make it. But there's reason for me to not think that as well. I mean, let's just go through just a little wild season they've had so far. Keystone defender, rock in the back. Chad Marshall leaves halfway through the year, meaning Roman Torres, who proved defending was more of a title than an activity last year, was their senior defender in the back. Torres ends up continuing that defending isn't an art, but just a physical activity as well this season. That can be done just by juicing, and then he gets suspended for PEDs. So that's another center back out. They bring back Jovin Jones, and now have three left backs after signing Brad Jones from Bournemouth, who's been fantastic this year. I think Jones is a potential best 11 left back, but we have yet to see him since he signed. And now he's way on international duty. Victor Rodriguez, who's proven to fit in well in that front four, is consistently injured. So we're stuck watching Harry Ship continue to start in that front four. Meanwhile, backup striker Will Bruin is out for the season with an ACL injury. And Rui, Raul Rui Diaz and Jordan Morris, the kind of dynamic duo up top ahead of Nico Lodero, will be out at international duty. So ostensibly, Luis Diaz, who they got from Real Salt Lake this year, Nico Lodero and Harry Ship are their only attackers this weekend against Colorado. That's right, let's go through it. No Christian Roldan with the U.S. men's national team. Morris, same thing, not there. No Rui Diaz with Peru. No Victor Rodriguez, injured. No Gustavo Svensson with the Swedish national team. No Brad Smith, Australian national team. No Roman Torres, PED suspension. No Javier Arriaga, the guy they brought in when Marshall went down. He's with the Ecuador national team. No Jovan Jones, who they signed. Trinidad and Tobago national team. No Jordi Delem, Martinique. New Hutolo, other left back with Cameroon U23s. That is wild. They have like 12 people on their roster available. I'm watching this game just out of pure curiosity of what in the Rocky Mountains Brian Schmetzer will do in Colorado. So this is what they have right now. I, I went through the lineup. They'll have Lodero. That's a big get. Best player in their team, probably. They'll need him. Luis Silva had to start up top. Harry Ship. There's your front three, basically. Because after that, they have Stefan Fry, Kim Keehee, Kelvin Leardam, Saad Abdul Salam. We'll probably see a starting debut for Emmanuel Cecchini who signed as a TAM player, 22-year-old from Malaga, and then they really got to dig deep. Because from at that point, that's a, okay, that's a decent starting, you know, core. You got, what, the four attackers with Cecchini, goalie and Fry, and then three defenders. So that comes out to about eight players who are reasonable starters. But they got to get, really get all them golden morsels out of the cavities of this roster. They got to go with then Jonathan Campbell. Okay, he's depth at center back. Alex Roldan. Not Christian, but I guess it's something. And then Handwala Buana. It's not a starting, you know, a second place starting quality team. Because when you actually, that's like their starting lineup, but then that's it. They won't even have a full 18. Like I said, there's like 12. They'll have just, that. we have to go through their bench now. They'll have Justin Dillon, who hasn't really proven himself. Then they have 16-year-old Dan, Daniel Leva. And then two other goalkeepers. That's all they'll have on the bench. I'm actually expecting 8-year-old Beam Goyal to have to step in as the only other available player in their roster. That's right. If you remember, Seattle had that absolutely phenomenal um, gesture. Goyal, who had been dealing with cancer, came in and started as a goalkeeper against Portland Timbers, and then they subbed him off. Really tremendous to see. He's still on the roster on their homepage, which I think is really cool. But if you think about it, they might have to suit him up because they just don't have enough people. 
send him out there, let him play forward, maybe he'll get a tap in. I don't know. But wow, that is going to be crazy for them midweek in the Rocky Mountains, as I mentioned against Colorado. I've been playing some MLS fantasy, and I just have to think, stay away from them? I mean, they're probably just going to put 10 men behind the ball, but who knows? Let's talk about the Galaxy a little bit now. They're in a rut, having won just one in the last seven in MLS. Not even Zlatan's ridiculous 23-goal tally can keep them above water right now as they drop to seventh with 42 points. Minded, I did say second place was 46 points, so that's not a huge gap. But Portland's in eighth with 40 points, just outside the playoff hunt. And they have a game in hand. And they host a diabolically bad Sporting Kansas City this weekend. So Portland could jump LA Galaxy, who, like Houston, were second place team for a decent period of the season, could drop off. They just have not been able to find any consistency. And yeah, that's crazy to think about, because this is after signing Christian Pavone, Argentinian national team winger, and Giancarlo Gonzalez, Costa Rican international, bolster the roster. They're still reliant on hoofball to the Swedish-Serbian melting pot that is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And until they decide that they don't have to rely on that, and then they can find other ways to break down teams, I'm not so sure that this Galaxy team is going to be in the playoffs, given how many home games Portland has. They've been disappointing as well. It just doesn't seem like anyone in the, in the West really wants it. And it's interesting because if outside of LAFC, who also faltered this weekend, no one has instilled any confidence in the West. Anywhere, really, outside of LAFC as who could challenge them. New York City might, FC might be the only one as they continue to go up the standings, but they've had a relatively easy run recently. They've had it, you know, moving into second. They got two games in hand, one point behind Philadelphia. You have to imagine they're going to turn it around. Not turn it around. They're going to leapfrog them. All they need is one win in two games, two draws. I want to look at the matches right now, but it's not loading. But New York City, they've they've had some easy ones. Vancouver, Columbus. You get the idea. Uh, this isn't about New York City. This is about the Galaxy. Because when they come out against LAFC, they're like the Red Bulls against Atlanta, they do so well. And then for some reason, they just can't do it against every other team. Really, really baffling. Uh, let's move on then to the last game, LAFC versus Minnesota. As I mentioned, Novella, no party for LAFC. And Brian Rodriguez, I just don't think, is a pure replacement for him. We've yet to see where he fits in in this lineup, and I'm wondering if it's actually as a center forward, because Adama Diomande, while a streaky forward who has goals in him, is not the consistent output that they need. But for Minnesota, is parking bus, as they've shown, the only way to play LAFC? Because Minnesota got it done. And I'm going to say no, despite the way it worked. I don't think this is a blueprint for beating LAFC. I think the Galaxy have that in having a Zlatan for one, but also for clogging the middle uh, and overloading where LAFC tried to overload. Because... If you try to park the bus, you're way too reliant on an athletic forward like Mason Toy, who can pull off the worldies that he had. Two fantastic goals. So one, you need to have a player who has a technique for those goals. Two, you need to have someone who can get behind that defense and work them. Which is why I think the way the Galaxy played it is better. Because you can clog four men in that midfield, frustrate them, not let them go through the middle, double-team Vela when it goes wide, and then hit on the break. And I think that they'll be vulnerable the way Atlanta is. Which leads me to the next question, then how legit is Mason Toy if he's one of the few players who can be relied on that way? He just got a call up to the U23s, and uh, it's his first call up 
I think this guy is is the real deal because and I'd like to see him play more because Minnesota is one of the few teams playing like a playoff team. But for some reason, despite that, the front floor still hasn't clicked in any way that was expected at the beginning of the season. Darwin Quintero, big hopes for him. He's only had eight goals with five assists this year in 25 games, 1,800 minutes. That's one goal every 225 minutes. Angelo Rodriguez, 25 games as well, five goals. Mason Toy, meanwhile, six goals in 11 games, only 492 minutes. That means most of those games are as a substitute. And he's second in the team in goals scored. I need to see more of this kid. This 20-year-old is the real deal. And I'm glad he's starting up there because he will probably be that missing piece for Minnesota who's really fixed things in defense and midfield after conceding a ridiculous amount, 74 goals last year. Jan Gregush, fantastic defensive midfielder in this lead. I think he's really over, really underrated, overlooked. Leads a team with nine assists. Aiko Para, fantastic leader in the back. We all know him. Don't need to get too much into it. Ramon Mataner, potentially the best right back in the league this year. He's second in the team with six assists. And then meanwhile, Hassani Dotson from the draft, proven to be the utility guy they need. Everyone needs a utility guy who can play anywhere. And, and those guys have really helped be a huge factor in this team, shoring up one of the worst defenses from last year. Meanwhile, Kevin, Mol- Kevin Molino, the Trinidad and Tobago International, in my mind is actually the superior option to Darwin Quintero at this moment, playing underneath Mason Toy. Because he's a more of an attacking midfielder than a second striker. So you get more defensive output out of him. In just 13 games, 610 minutes, so a lot of them as a sub, he has three goals and three assists. That's one every 223 minutes for goals. It's the same rate as Cantero, a little bit better. We'll call it the same. So what you get out of him is that he works harder. He's more willing to make runs to open things up. Cantero just wants to sit between the lines. Plus, as good as Cantero is technically, as much of a goal threat he can be, Molino has had better, just as good a rate as him. So why not go with Molino? I'm sorry, Angelo Rodriguez. I'm sorry, Darwin Quintero, the DPs, the big money guys. Molino and Toy are the future for the rest of this Minnesota season. LAFC, meanwhile, I think these guys can take the loss and move on. Everyone will worry about, oh, they aren't any good with Vela. They can't do it without him. But LAFC are still probably the best team in the league without Vela. I know this is all inflated with Vela in the roster starting, but let's just look at the stats. Diego Rossi has 14 goals with 6 assists. That's 4th most goals in the league. Atuesta, 2 goals, 8 assists, tied with 8th most assists in the league. Mark Anthony K, 4 goals, 8 assists. Diomande, 6 goals, sorry, 6 assists, 8 goals. And now that they have Ryan Rodriguez, even taking Vela's stats out, the only team that has more goals than LAFC without Vela's goals are the Union and Earthquakes. It's a crazy stat. So I think that they'll be okay without Vela here or there. Obviously with him and their MLS Cup candidates. And probably one of the best teams in MLS history. I think everyone has down games. And it's okay to say, okay, LAFC had a bad down game, even at home. And everyone has down games. And every other team has been proving that throughout the season. And there's been moments of the season where every team, except for LAFC, we've said, oh, we don't deserve any credit. So I think we can give LAFC a break on this one, the way we did against Vancouver when they played a B lineup. This is still a legit team. Thanks for listening. That's all the time we have this time on the American Soccer Show. Don't forget to subscribe, like us on iTunes, whatever it takes, leave a comment. All of it really helps. You can find us wherever podcasts are found. 
Until then, I'm Emmett McConnell, signing off.